0: For the last 22 years, I've been rocking stages, playing in clubs, and having a lot of fun as a DJ and turntablist, and I've seen and learned a lot. Now it's time for me to share that knowledge by answering the questions that can help you become a better DJ. I'm DJ TLM, and this is Share the Knowledge. Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. What's going on, everyone? It's your boy, DJ TLM, and you're listening to the Share the Knowledge podcast. This is my educational podcast for DJs where I try to share as many tips and tricks as possible, answer all the questions I receive, and I'm ready, I'm amped. I got a lot of questions from Instagram and some from Snapchat that I want to get to right away. So if you want to ask questions for a future episode, you can check me anywhere on social. The handle is DJ TLM. For all the info about the podcast, check out sharethenowledgepodcast.com. I drop a new episode every Every Monday on iTunes, Anchor, and SoundCloud. And for all my info, check out DJTLM.com. And of course, for all the video material, including some clips from this very podcast, make sure you check out DJ TLM TV on YouTube. Special shout out to the sponsor of this episode, Banzoogle. For all their info, make sure you check the link in the description box down below. And let's get this show on the road. Now, what I do lately is every Monday, a couple hours before I record a show, I go to Instagram, I record a short little video, and I just let you guys know I'm about to record a new episode. If you have any questions for the show, let me know and um, leave it in the comments. So I haven't counted yet, but I think I have around 30 to 40 comments in here. Um, No, I'm lying. It's 25. So let's get straight into it right now. We'll do a quick q and I have a couple of topics I might want to spend a little extra time on, um, but we'll see what we can get done on this Monday. Shout out to all my people from all over, and let's get the show on the road. Now, the first question is, how to get music if you can't afford a DJ pool and you're not making money from shows yet? Look, it's pretty easy. You'll have to find a way to get money to join that DJ pool. It is what it is we all have problems we all have other things to take care of but if you really want to get music and getting music through a dj pool is definitely one of the cheapest legal solutions out there if you compare it to djs like me who had to buy every record every single record was a different record piece of vinyl you had to go buy that costs way more than a subscription to a DJ pool where you can just download everything they have for a full month. So there was already a reply in there that actually said, as advice, find the money to join for one month. You can find a lot of DJ pools that can do that for like 20 or $30. Join for one month, download a bunch of music, and if you don't have enough to continue your subscription, cancel. Now, some will have a three month subscription, Some will have a month subscription, but just do your research. Start there. Start there. But not having money because you don't have shows yet is no excuse at all. You can find different ways to get money. Look, we're talking about $20 to $30 a month. Find a little job you can do. You can probably make that money by doing a job once a month or at least like once a week you'll have enough money to get that DJ pool paid. Find something, hustle for it. There's always ways to make a little money. And this is a little money that we're talking about. Now, I understand everyone has their situations, everyone has their issues, but if this is something you really want, I was making money any way I could to buy records. And like I said, I had to spend a lot more to get records. And even when I started to do my first gigs, those first gigs paid me maybe enough to go buy one or two new 12 inches. So that's two to five songs max. See what I'm saying? And I had a gig like that once a month. So I had to find other ways, little jobs or whatever, to get some money to buy some records. If I was in a situation where I only needed 30 a month, 20 to 30 a month, to get all the music I want, that sounds like heaven to me and I still treat it that way to this date. So I joined the DJ pool. I did the same thing with a video DJ pool because I wanted to do more video DJing and I joined for a couple of months, downloaded like 1200 of those video clips and After that, I stopped my subscription mainly because I still wasn't doing enough with video and it was an extra amount of money I had to spend every month. But I made sure that the time I was there, every cent I put into that, I definitely got out of it by downloading as much as I could. So go for it. Did you ever get nervous when you first started playing in public? If yes... What did you do to calm down? And how long did it take you to get comfortable playing in public? Mm. Now nerves are something you will uh, sometimes run into. Some people have it in the beginning of their um, DJ career when they start playing outdoors. And for some it will only be with like the bigger gigs. I've had gigs where I definitely had some nerves. Now I'm not sure if I had that during my first normal DJ gigs. I actually just had so much fun playing music that I didn't care, I was just so happy that I was able to go play somewhere, play music I liked. And in my case, that was for people that liked the same type of music. And I think I was still focusing so much on the technical side that I didn't even have enough time to be panicking because I, I, had, I had a focus, so the focus was fully on getting my count right starting my mix at the right point. So I might have felt some nerves because it took me longer than it did at home, but it, it was okay. I do remember the first time I had to do a turntablism showcase in public, that that was kinda kind of different because it was in a venue here in Amsterdam called Paradiso. Their main room holds, uh, I don't know, like a thousand, something like that. Um, and I was DJing for a rap group, and in that performance, I was gonna do a little turntablism showcase. So in the middle of their performance, they stopped, and then they took their time to announce me in a grand way. Now that builds up even more suspense for you. Um, And I definitely felt that, but then again, I didn't really have time to stay in that moment because I had to begin. So they started to announce me. That's when I felt the nerves. The, no, the moment they stopped the music and started to do the announcement, that was a scary moment because I was like, damn, they're all going to watch me. They're, they're being stopped. Their attention is being pointed towards me, and I have to perform now. But as soon as I started, again, that focus shifted into the thing that I am doing, and I just started to do my showcase, and once I heard the music, and once I got a few a little bit of reaction from the crowd, that actually felt pretty good. And when I started to get more reaction, of course, it felt better. Um, but it's, for me, mostly the moments right before I have to do something like that. Same thing with big TV performances. Now, I've been touring with an MC called Brainpower, shout out, that's his mic right there, uh, for the last 20 years. We've done, like, major TV shows where you were playing in front of 10,000 people, and it's also being filmed and for the productions of such events you will be asked to stand behind the stage like 20 to 30 minutes in advance sometime because they want to make sure all the artists begin on time i'm not nervous the weeks leading up to that concert to that performance i'm not nervous on the day i'm not nervous on my way over there i'm even not nervous in the dressing room getting ready during the sound check, everything, I'm cool. But when they call you out to come to the stage and you have to wait behind the stage for like 10, 15, or 20 minutes while you hear all these other acts and you see these production guys coming by, looking at clocks, making sure, are you ready, and whatever, that's when I start to feel a little bit of anxiety. Like, I just wanna get on that stage and start doing it. So the longer you keep me waiting, the more anxiety I start to feel because I know that once I begin, it's all good. And I'm, I'm, I'm good, the nerves will be gone. And indeed, the second we get announced, start that show, the first beat comes in, I was the first to step on stage, I grabbed that mic, addressed that crowd, announced brain power, I'm in my zone and I'm good. But the moments leading up to that, you just try to maintain calmness i will say being prepared definitely helps because like i said i feel nerves when i'm waiting but it's just anticipation it's not because i feel nervous because i'm afraid i might not perform well because i know i will perform well (laughs) hey everyone i just want to apologize for the switch in audio quality that you are about to experience somehow the recording of my microphone ended way too early and i had to take the audio from my camera for the rest of the podcast so it might sound a little bit different but the content is still the same so again my apologies and enjoy the rest of the podcast it's not sound cocky, but we prepared this show. We've done maybe, I don't know, 10 rehearsals, or 20 for a tour, whatever. We've done rehearsals. Um, I practiced myself. So I know that the performance part is gonna be fine. So preparation helps. If you still, still feel nervous because you're not sure if you're gonna perform well, that's something you can work on by just practicing more. Just keep on practicing. Once you know that you master what you do, that part should be fun. Um, couple of quick tips, during those first performances, keep in mind that something can and probably will go wrong and realize that that's not terrible. So it could be that you actually do make a mistake. It could be technical difficulties, it could be anything, but Continue with your show and just go on, as long as you can. I mean, if your equipment breaks down and you can't continue, that's a different story. But I've had things happen where I started and the needle would skip. That can happen. That's something you can't always prevent. Get that needle back on and continue. Don't act like it's the end of the world because then it looks like it's your mistake and the crowd starts to look at you as if you're not performing well. You just keep it going. And beyond that, Uh, Just go with what you know, so I know I'm prepared for a show and I'll take it from there. One more thing though, I noticed that later on in my um, career, in the last couple of years, I sometimes did bookings where I played at parties where they were playing basically my music, my main genres, hip-hop, R&B, but the newest stuff. Now, I was always one of the DJ's known to play a lot of new stuff. But then for definitely maybe five years or something we had a real revival here of like throwback parties old-school parties so playing like 90s hip-hop R&B that's my era so I was doing a lot of old-school shows making old-school mixtapes and I started to get booked mostly for that and less for gigs where you play new stuff because somehow they started to think that I actually only played old stuff sometimes I would get bookings where you do play new stuff and sometimes I was not as sure of myself as I would have been if it was like an old school party because I liked a lot of the new music, but I don't go out to a lot of parties anymore. So I don't see enough parties where they're playing the new music to know exactly which tracks they're feeling in the club. I have my personal preference, but because I was maybe 70% sure, and not 90 to 100. That caused me some nerves because I was not sure of my performance. I knew I wasn't gonna like bomb and be terrible, but it wasn't the same comfort level as knowing that you're gonna rock it because this is what you always do. Um, So yeah, then you start to feel a little bit nervous because you're not sure what's gonna happen. But in all of those cases, my performance definitely went Okay, or just good and I know it could have been better if I was more in tune to what would be right at those events And still that's something you can work on in your preparation So if you're an older DJ, but you want to play a lot of parties where they play new stuff You have to do your research and go to a lot of the new parties So you have to want to invest in spending time at those parties to hear exactly which tracks they're going for and which tracks they don't like. I mean, you can look at hit lists and see what's at in the top 40, but that's not the same as seeing what's working in the clubs. You have to actually go to the parties and see what's happening in your genre. So, prep is key and once you know that your performance will be good, those nerves will go away once you start your performance. Hopefully, not for everyone, but I know it works for me and a lot of people that I do know. Alright, if you're having a wedding, how do you deal with light? I think you're getting some answers in here. Do you mean DMX lighting and he says yes, okay so the answer that's being given here is what I do with my lights is I have fixtures on this of the same kind. So I set one of each to sound active then slave the rest so this way all the lights do the same thing and not run wild out of control. Um, That sounds like good advice. I don't do weddings and I never bring my own lights so I have no experience with that but I can totally understand what's being said here. If you're gonna have a light setup, you will want those lights to act at least partially in sync instead of having all lights do different things. That's gonna look like a wild circus and it's not really gonna add to the music and if you have it running more in sync it will look a lot better, I can understand that, but um, maybe you'll get some more answers in the comment section. By the way, kudos to everyone answering questions in the comment section, it's not just for me. If you see something and you know that you can answer it, go ahead and answer it. I don't have all the answers, Sway. So What's your secret to being good at playing freestyle instead of prepared sets? I was just talking before about being prepared that that can help with nerves. When I said that, I was not talking about preparing your set. I mean just being prepared that you know, you master the technical side of DJing and you know your music. If you have those two things on lock, that's gonna help with the nerves. Now, in this case, the question is, what the secret is to being good at playing freestyle? Basically, it's the same things with one extra element so you want to make sure you master the technique so you don't have to think about counting music you know when you want to make transitions and stuff like that knowing your music very important as well because that's gonna definitely make it a lot easier but then the third element and that's the most important thing to freestyle DJing is knowing how to read your crowd so If you're playing freestyle, you do not have a prepared set. So you do not know what you're gonna play. You might know the genres, you might have an idea of the vibe depending on the time of the event. So if you're the headliner, you're gonna have more energy than if you're warming up. But you're gonna have to see how people react to what you're playing, and that's gonna dictate what you do next. So if I'm doing a warm-up set, I'll do that freestyle. I'll have time to play tracks a little bit longer because I don't have to be on some banging energy level where I have to switch tracks real fast, so i have the luxury of playing tracks a little bit longer. People are just coming in, I wanna set a nice vibe, not too much energy, but I want people to feel good, come in, get that first drink, and be in a good mood. So I'll play music that fits that vibe but I'll keep my eyes on that crowd to see if it's having the right effect because sometimes people think that there's like a set structure for warm-up. Like, oh, if you do warm-up, then you start with old school. That's not always the case. Sometimes you might have an audience that is too young for old school, so you don't wanna warm them up with old school. You get newer tracks that have a nice mellow vibe so that they can relate to the tracks but still feel that right vibe. So you have to test that to see what works. If I'm playing prime time, same thing, or if I'm playing between the warm-up and the actual prime time DJ, their level's gonna be a little bit higher, and it's gonna be my job to get that energy level up a bit, so I have to get them on that dance floor. So, I'll play tracks, and when I play a track that's a certain genre, certain vibe, certain speed, I'll check how they react. If I see that the reaction is what I hoped it would be, I'll stick with that. And because I know my music, I'll have an idea of what tracks I can play next. That's how I go about it. If I play a track and I see that it's definitely not getting the right reaction, so either they hate it, or they're not reacting like I hope they would, they're not being energized by that song, I'll try either a different genre or tracks with a little more energy, but I know that I have to try something else to try to get them to where I want them to go play that track, watch the reaction. If it works, continue with that. If it doesn't work, try something else. If I try 10 things and all 10 things don't work, then most likely those people did not come to dance or they only come to see and hear one artist, and then it doesn't really matter what I do. But everything I do or decide to do comes from reading that crowd. So that is the secret, if you wanna call it a secret. It's not a secret, it's just a known fact. Reading the crowd, that's the key to freestyle DJing. For the modern day DJ, producer or musician, it's more important than ever to make sure you have an online presence and having your own website is Key, Banzoogle makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. You can choose from hundreds of mobile-friendly themes and then customize your design and content in a few clicks with Banzoogle's easy visual editor. Now, all the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including tools to sell your music and merch, commission-free mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, and integration to pull in content from all your online services, including Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. I use Banzoogle to create the Share the Knowledge podcast website and that was very easy bazooka plans started just 829 a month and include your own free custom domain name now if you want to try it out for free for 30 days click on the link in the description box down below and be sure to use the promo code share to get 15 percent off the first year of your subscription all right from the dms on instagram this was asked a week ago so i'm glad you reminded me uh shout out dj ty so let's see right here i have a quick question for your upcoming podcast if you don't mind I've been solely using a DVS setup, two turntables and an S9 at local venues lately, and while I love the feeling and creativity that this setup offers, I found myself getting frustrated with the maintenance required throughout the night, the fear of having audio drop-ins in the middle of a set due to dirty needles, loose connections, dusty vinyl, etc has forced me to DJ in internal mode during high point of the night. So my question for you is, how as a professional have you learned to deal with these common nuances in live settings? Besides the obvious care, cleaning of needles and records pre and post show, I personally find I can get through a few hours before really having any of the above issues. But seeing as I'm playing four or five hour sets, I'm concerned that a DVS setup may not be practical for that type of life use. Um, No, that shouldn't be a problem. Now, first of all, if you're having a lot of like, audio dropouts and stuff like that, you might also wanna check the settings on on your laptop. That's not supposed to happen. I understand if you have a dirty needle, you'll sometimes have issues. It's not gonna have that right, that right connection, the signal, the Serato timecode signal will not get into your setup the right way. Dirty vinyl, same thing. So every 30 minutes or every hour, you just take the vinyl that's not playing. So if you're playing one side, you take the vinyl on the other side and you just wipe it quick if you feel it's getting dusty. Same thing with the needle, you check that needle, maybe you just bring a little brush, check the needle, brush it, it might take one little brush to get any dust that's on there off, connect it again. Then when you start the other deck, you do the same thing for the other side. So yes, that's a little maintenance, but in my case, I remember just wiping that record every once in a while. That's done in a second. So if that's all the maintenance we're dealing with, same thing with the needle, sometimes I didn't even take them off, I just looked and just, with my hand, if I saw some dust, took it off. Um, that doesn't take a lot of time. I've never been scared of using this setup for um, for any type of event, being scared of like audio dropouts and stuff like that. That doesn't really happen. I've had it happen, of course, but then most of the times it was because I just forgot to look at the needles or the vinyl and it was actually really dirty and you had like a big block of dust on that needle. Of course, that's gonna uh, uh, have an impact on its ability to transmit the signal. So if that's all the trouble it takes for me to make sure that it stays on point, that's not a lot of work, so I don't mind doing that. Now, I do think that phase is the game changer because that's gonna take all of that out of the equation. So MWM's new solution, uh, the wireless solution phase where it just, you put it on your vinyl and it just detects out of vinyl is moving and it sent a clear signal to your Serato um, that if it really works that well and it looks to work that well even though it's not out there we still see the prototypes and the retail won't be available until I don't know September uh, what I've seen so far the way it performs if that means I don't have to worry about my records not only being clean but they could be scratched up like serious scratches on the record and it still wouldn't matter, and I don't have to exchange or clean my needles, that's a game changer to me. That takes that maintenance part that you're talking about out of the equation. So that could be the great solution for you as well if you don't wanna worry about stuff like that happening. But for me, if that's all it takes, then I'm definitely willing to do that because it still allows me to play the way I wanna play You can play in internal mode, but then you lose that control that you have with your vinyl. That's why I'm using DVS. Uh, But yeah, thanks for that question and thanks for the reminder as well. What's the best way to promote mixes on SoundCloud, MixCloud? And again, I see people answering and I love this. I love seeing this right here. So share the link of your mixes on all your social media platforms. Ask your friends to reshare for you and also you can do Facebook ads at cost to get your mixes to people you don't know. Um, All right, let's see, and then he answers, thanks, I got a better chance paying for it at the stage where I get more love from strangers than my own friends. <laughs> and um, yeah, that is definitely partially the answer I would give as well. If you're promoting yourself, if you make mixes to promote yourself, same way I used to make mixtapes, I will now make mixes and post them online. I'll upload them to Mixcloud, Soundcloud. Um, or a service like that. Now, just posting your mix, just uploading your mix is definitely not gonna cut it because a lot of people are doing it and chances that your mix will be discovered, well, they're quite slim. You're gonna have to put in that work, that promo work to get people to hear those mixes. Now, you can post the link on all your social media, of course, you can definitely do that. And Facebook ads are a very good idea as well because with Facebook ads you have the option to really target your audience very specific. So if you're using certain artists on that mix, you can target people from a certain age, from a certain area that like those artists. That can help. Um, Now, besides that, if you want to get known by uh, more people outside of your own friends, You might want to look around on Facebook, but definitely on Instagram and Twitter and look for people by using either searching for hashtags of artists that are um, on your mix. So artists that you use for your mix. Look for posts by people who like those artists or even just find those artists and look at their comment sections and see how people are reacting and join in the conversation. Now, do not just jump in there and post your link, like, hey, I made a mix, and post that. That's not gonna work. That's just spamming. People are not really looking for that. But if you find a post that's about a certain artist and people are reacting, you like that artist too because you use that artist in your mix, leave a useful comment a useful comment that really adds something to the conversation and that could be your opinion about the artist or about the track or maybe even more info that catches more attention than posting a link do that a lot so become part of the community people that really like that artist do that for all the artists on that mix and after a while people might be interested because they see you really like that artist you know something about the artist you have an opinion about their music they might check your page out, and on your page, on your profile, you want to make sure that you have that mix clearly available, so they see that, oh, okay, it's the DJ. Oh, he has mixes with those artists in there. Cool. But you don't want to just spam. I still see people doing this, like, yo, check my mix on a link. I never click on that. I never do, especially in the comment sections on YouTube, stuff like that. Um No. I've seen that so much. Like, uh, could someone please uh, take a minute to check out my mix? People don't do that anymore. Maybe one or two people, but most people will not do that. And if they see you do that in a couple of posts, they might even flag you like, "Hey, he's spamming" or "This is abuse," whatever. So that's not the way to go about it. Um, so yeah, man, that's basically it. And don't expect that to be fast. Don't expect just to post a couple of comments and then people will come to you. You have to actively become a part of those communities. Uh, That takes work and patience, but that's, if you want to succeed, you're going to have that with everything. You're going to have to put in that work for a long time. All right, I'm going to rush through this because this is a long one right here, but I do want to answer it. All right, I have a question that you maybe find interesting enough to put it on Shared Knowledge. It's pretty tricky and complicated. All right, first of all, I can say that I started spinning out in the beginning of 2018, had some small gigs that led to some bigger things. Uh, today, I'm playing in a pretty big nightclub. The club has one main floor where they play a lot of EDM. And meanwhile, on the two floors, the concept is to have more classic dance hits. But the main focus is on Swedish music. Now, I don't think this means Swedish house. I think this actually means Swedish music. So I'm guessing this is in Sweden. Um, I'm playing on the two, on the second floor and I've done so for the past two months and I've done eight gigs in that time. This is good and I need this because I meet a lot of other DJs and people who go out a lot and so on. But the problem is I don't like the way that the concept works. I can do it for maybe an hour, hour and a half but after that I get really bored. I like to switch to genres when I'm playing, so for example, I would like to do 30 minutes of Swedish music, 30 minutes classic dance hits, etc. Sometimes I play this and I get a really good reaction from the crowd and I fill up the room. Then he, the owner, tells me, or the manager, tells me uh, that I have to stick to the concept, but I feel that he ruins it. I can read the crowd pretty good and know exactly what they want, but now it feels like I'm playing for my manager and not for them. This is really starting to annoy me because I started to lose my motivation and focus. I really love to play, but one of the major parts for me is to feel a connection with the crowd. But when I'm controlled as a remote, that emotion fades away and I lose my motivation and dedication. So now the question is... If I should talk to the manager and see what he thinks about it, if he can understand me, or should I say that I can't play this the whole night because the crowd will get fed up and leave. It feels like I'm not developing my skills. What should I do in this situation? Remember that I'm new to the nightclub scene and this is really my only place where I get to play for now. It's also worth mentioning that I'm playing for free. The managers told me that sooner or later I will get the main floor and this is a good practice for me, but I don't feel happy with the situation. All right. That's a great question and I totally understand your feeling. I have to add that. Let me take one sip. Hold up. That was very necessary. So I definitely understand where you're coming from. Here's the thing, you are new to DJing. You've already found a spot where you get to play, and it's a pretty nice club. So that's great for practice. Mm, Let me deal with the most important thing first, in this case. If a certain venue or a certain event has a concept, and that concept is that in the room where you're playing, they want you to play Swedish music, and when I say they, I mean the people who organize it. So that could be the manager, the owner. If that is their concept, then that is what they want. So yes, you could definitely get that conversation in there and just tell them what you see. Like look, I can tell that the crowd is not really feeling it if I play that all the time. I'm getting a great reaction when I do a mix of this and that. If they tell you no, this is our concept, then it's not about choosing between what the manager wants and what your crowd wants you are playing for that manager or that owner you perform for the crowd but you got booked to do a certain job for instance if I get booked to play at a throwback 90's hip hop and R&B party and I start to play a brand new future track and then I follow it up with Migos and then I played the new J. Cole. The people might actually love those songs, but I'm going totally against the concept. The problem with that is, if those people go home that night, they'll start spreading the word that at that party, that was supposed to be a throwback 90s hip hop and RB party, they heard Future Amigos and the new J. Cole and whatever, whatever. That means that next time people come back to that party with that name, they'll expect to hear tracks like that again. Now, that was not the concept. So, by not sticking to the concept, you are possibly ruining the concept of that event. And I know because I've organized events, I know how that works, and I know what happens once you start to get people in there that are coming in for something else than what you're playing. Um, Sometimes that can be hard speaking from someone who organizes, but if you have a concept, you wanna to stick to that. Because if you have an old school concept, but after the first time you realize that you need to start playing new stuff to keep the people in there, that's the wrong decision, because you did not want those people in there. You wanna attract the people that like the music that you have for that concept. So. Switch it back, that's just me saying that I understand where a manager, where an owner is coming from. So as a DJ, if you're booked to play at a certain party or in a certain room and there's a concept for that room, then that's the concept, then it's not up to you to decide to play whatever else just because the crowd will like it. The crowd can like a thousand things, but that still is not the concept. So talk to the manager, see if the manager is open to a change open for you mixing it up? If not, then you have to decide, do I like this enough? Do I see enough opportunity in this to stick to this? Or is it, like you said, really killing my motivation and dedication? Because if that is the case, that this gig, if you have to continue to do this gig and only play the Swedish music, and it's killing your motivation, then you should definitely stop doing that gig and find something else. That's my way of going about it. You'll have other people, other DJs with another opinion who tell you, just continue to do this and one day you get to play that main room. That might be the case. But if that means that you have to continue to play this Swedish music all night for another six months, maybe by that time, you got so tired of DJing that you decided to just stop. That could be. The reason I still love doing this is because I choose to do the things I love to do. I've been approached many times to people telling me like, you should start playing that and that music because you can get more gigs. And they're right. But I know for a fact that I don't like certain music. And I don't want to do gigs where I have to play all of the music I don't like. If I do that once, I'll walk away not feeling too great. If I do that 10 times, I'll probably start hating my job. That's not what I became a DJ for. So I think, especially if you're in that beginning stage, you do wanna take more gigs and you wanna do stuff for free because experience is very important. But you've already tasted something and you saw how people reacted to that. So you know what you can do when you're in a certain situation where you get to play that different type of stuff. And you've already seen that at that event, when you play that music all night, all the people leave so it's not really adding to your experience and it's not really good for you either if people associate you with that all the time so um, I would really give that feeling inside a large portion when it comes to deciding what you do next that's my opinion this is one for people listening or watching the video clip i like to know what would you do in a situation like this would you just continue and hope that one day you'll get that main room even though you're currently hating what you have to do or would you stop and just look for something else? Let me know in the comment section down below. I think I had all the questions and that's good because I have to wrap it up. I really hope this helped you out and I'm gonna check the comment section to see what else you are adding and what I can learn from you because that's what Share the Knowledge is all about. It's about teaching, learning, sharing because that makes us all Uh, A little smarter and hopefully a little better as a DJ. I want to send a shout out to my sponsor, Banzoogle. Check out SharedTheKnowledgePodcast.com. That site is made with the Banzoogle service. And uh, check the link in the description box. Check all the links in the description box down below to all my info. And I will be back next Monday with a new episode on iTunes, Anchor, and SoundCloud. Check me out on social. The handle is DJTLM. And, of course, for all my video tutorials, tips, tricks, Q&A videos, check TV on YouTube. Thanks for watching, listening, and I'll see you next week. Peace.